Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And today, Tiffany, we want to talk about the traits and characteristics of emotionally resilient people. I said before, I think this topic is one that's timeless because resiliency is such an important um, skill to develop, especially in our life today. I think it is. And while I know our audience might be tired of this as a flashpoint, I still have to believe by observation and by some real-time research I've read that since COVID, this is even more of a hot topic in terms of our uh, being well-adjusted. Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. So one of the things that happens when we're not emotionally um, resilient is that we run the risk, uh, whether we're a parent or on the job or in some profession, we run the risk of what we call burnout. And burnout can be defined in this way, dragging yourself to work most days. Um, and what you do is you try to find shortcuts rather than going the direction that you know you need to go in order to do something well. Mm -hmm. And so we cut things short. Um, you start late and you leave <laughs> early or you start late and you leave late. Um, you have a noticeable decline in the patience and empathy toward others. Mm -hmm. um, you also begin to push so that you have such an intensity about your life. The first time somebody cuts you off in traffic or um, does something in a store that upsets you, you're ready to blow. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of others, but I think most of our audience can probably relate to that. There's a number of theories as to why, you know, this happens to us. But I think, Tiffany, if we kind of take a look at, one, it's just part of human nature. Mm -hmm. And two, you have to care for it. And three, you have to apply uh, the principles on a pretty regular basis. And we live in a culture that I think is ripe for burnout because our culture really celebrates productivity. And so the more that you can pack into a short amount of time, you know, you're typically recognized for it, um, applauded and encouraged to continue to move at a pace that really sets you up for burnout. Well, you know, I'm just going to be really transparent. Uh, last week was one of those difficult weeks where getting things done, taking on obligations, uh, deadlines to get things done. One was uh, a long report. Uh, that I had to get done uh, for uh, an entity that had hired me. And Thursday at dinner, it came to a screeching halt. Um, I got dizzy. My chest hurt. I felt like I was out of sorts. Uh, my breathing was difficult. Didn't have a heart problem. Wasn't anything like that. But I realized I've been pushing too hard. And my body was telling me, you're done here. And so I did some self-care that night and moving through the weekend. And by Sunday, I really felt myself again. Mm -hmm. So the physician takes his own advice. <laughs> okay. That's my point is that if you push past where I was, that'll end in disaster in some way, physically, emotionally, or both. Mm -hmm. And certainly spiritually, 
you can fall hard on your face. Uh, if you're not paying attention, here's some signs. You better do something now. Absolutely. I find myself feeling even burnout as a parent. We have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, very active and busy, and I'm currently pregnant. And so that puts an extra strain on my body at this point in time. And whereas I adore being a parent at the same time, it is relentless it's constant. Yeah, it sure is. And I found myself lacking empathy <laughs> for my kids and their needs. And I was you know, praying about this because I'm used to moving at a pace that's very different. And one of the greatest gifts I can give my kids is actually to slow down. I found myself using the word hurry, hurry, hurry. We got to go. We got to go a lot. And in my quiet time, the Lord just impressed upon me that I needed to find a different pace. <laughs> Because this was not yes. sustainable. No, it, it sure isn't. And I think that's a great example, uh, especially for our uh, uh, younger parents out there raising children. It's hard enough in today's world, let alone when you feel like you're going at uh, racehorse speed all the time. <laughs> and, you know, there's, uh, uh, Tiffany, there's biblical examples. Um, if, if our audience would take time to read First uh, Kings chapters 17, 18, and 19, mm -hmm. you have the story of Elijah. Uh, brief summary, he has this great victory on Mount Carmel over the false prophets of Baal. And then he gets a threat from the queen at the time, Jezebel. And instead of doing what he should have done, he went 250 miles in the other direction to Mount Sinai, got in a cave, and did what we all do when we get to that point, claimed we're the only one who's experiencing this. Very much so feels like that. Especially when you isolate yourself, you typically feel alone. And that's where he was. I mean, and, you know, God came and said, what are you doing here? Well, I'm the only one. There's, there's nobody else. I've given my all and it hasn't meant anything and it hasn't been rewarded. And, you know, Elijah was physically, emotionally, and quite frankly, spiritually tired. Mm -hmm. So God gave him this sort of dog and pony show where there was earthquake, fire, and wind. But mm -hmm. the scripture said God was not in those mm -hmm. entities. He caused them, but he wasn't in them. And then he finally came in what is called a still quiet voice. Mm-hmm. So after all the noise and all the, this is who I am, I can make this happen, but here's how I really come to people. Not in all the noise, mm -hmm. not in all the hustle, not in all the fantastic or the great and wonderful or catastrophic. I come in the quietness of your soul. I love that because I truly believe that you know, when we're at risk for burnt out, burnout, or are actually burnt out, that our like hearts, our souls are, are restored in that quietness with the Lord. I think it's so critical. It is critical. And it, as time went on, God said, well, you know, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 others like you. <laughs> and I guess there's some strength in numbers in knowing that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you feel isolated, your mind can tell you a lot of things that aren't true. And so God set the record straight for him. And I like what he told him to do. First of all, get up on out of here. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. put one foot in front of the other, go do what I told you to do and get back on the task. Mm -hmm. Now that might sound a little straightforward and maybe matter of fact, I, I think that God did reveal empathy and compassion to him, but ultimately he had to put one foot in front of the other and, and go. The only reason he could do that is because he learned that he needed that quiet moment with God. I think that's powerful. I think it is too. I like that. One other quick one is uh, when, if you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah came back from Babylonian captivity. And uh, this is in the book that bears his name. And when he got there, he didn't start rebuilding the walls right away, which was his God ordained task. Mm -hmm. What it says was he mounted a donkey and in the moonlight, when no one was around by himself, he surveyed the ruins. And I love that analogy. He went out by himself, surveyed the situation, looked at where he was, and then said, you know what? Now I got a plan. It was in the quietness again of those moments that the plan was revealed to him and he would need moving forward. If you read the story, he would need emotional resilience. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an introduction, I guess, Tiffany, to these traits that we want to look at. And um, so I'll, I'll start out with the first one. Um, emotionally resilient people. Develop and observe healthy boundaries. That's <laughs> the B word of therapy, boundaries. <laughs> yes, it most <laughs> certainly is. They see themselves as separate from the stress or trauma they are facing. They, they're not one with it. Um, the stress doesn't define them. It doesn't say who they are. It plays a role in their story, but it doesn't overtake their permanent identity. I think that's very well said. It's so easy to be defined by the things that you go through and let them continue to dictate your life moving forward. And the truth of trauma work and recovery from it is that it doesn't have to. You know, that that description just becomes part of your story, but it's never going to be all of your story unless you allow it to be. Exactly. So the second one is... um, Resilient people, they seek out other resilient people. This would be whether it is for fun or for support. And supportive people give us space to work through our emotions. So a great way to identify those folks who are have the capacity to really support us. Yes. And, you know, the traits that they would have is that um, they would validate, not judge what you say. Mm-hmm. They would speak the truth in love. And they would show empathy and compassion. And not necessarily rush to try and fix the issue that you're dealing with at that point in time. But you know what? In our culture, we're fixers. Like, now, now, now. And you're right. I think we need people who will just give us the space to rest in this for a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, as fixers, part of our drive to do that for others is our own discomfort with the struggle. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's kind of getting out of our own way, too. Yeah. Well, the third one is that they develop self-awareness. Now, of course, that could sound like a psychobabble term. And um, 
sometimes in therapy, I get a lot of blank stares from clients. But in a nutshell, self-awareness helps you to get in touch with your psychological, physiological, and spiritual needs. People who are self-aware listen to their body, they listen to their soul, they listen to their spirit. In other words, I know what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, what thoughts are driving the bus, Mm -hmm. and how things may look if I act on it. You really need to practice um, mindfulness in order to become self-aware. Um, I always say, and I've said this probably on many podcasts at this point in time, that um, you can't overcome anything you won't confront, and you can't confront anything that you're not aware of. So we can't deal with things if we don't actually know that they're going on. Oh, well said. Yeah, I like that. Um, number four is they practice acceptance. I tell you, this is a painful word sometimes when I'm <laughs> working yes, with is. clients and even experiences I've had myself. Pain is painful. Stress is stressful. And healing takes time. Yes, it does. Resilient people understand that stress and pain are part of the ebb and flow of life. And that acceptance, and this is huge, is not about giving up and letting stress have its way. It's about learning and leaning into the experience of the full range of emotions and trusting God for the outcome. So that's something that uh, recently a person said to me that, hey, you know what? Um, I learned to surrender this. I let go of it. I realized I was pushing. I was ahead of God and it wasn't going well. I, I think that's, again, we, we could talk a whole podcast just on that one. Yes. Uh, but again, it's one of those hinge points, I think, in this whole process we're talking about that that we need to to realize because if eliminating pain in our life is our goal, then uh, we'll be going down a dead-end street. We will. And we spend a lot of time, I think, in situations being upset that the situation happened, period, as opposed to just saying... It is what it is. All things lead up to now. Where do I go from here? Well, I like this fifth one. I'll let you take that, Tiffany, because you really articulate well with this one. I think you do anyway. Uh, This is number five. Resilient people learn to sit in meditative silence. This means being in the moment without judgment or avoidance. Hmm. So think about Psalm 139. Yeah. What God thinks of us. Yes. Many are his thoughts of us. You know, sitting in quiet is such a practice. Mm-hmm. And again, it is something that you can, you can learn, but you have to do so purposefully. Um, being in the moment, you know, I mentioned mindfulness without judgment or avoidance, simply being even just curious about the moment and what's going on is so important to, you know, awareness and being able to address issues that come. Even when I'm sitting with a client and I learned this early on in my master's program, um, actually I learned this in teaching, come to think of it. Um, I would ask a question to a student or even now to a client and there's always this rush to answer. Mm. 
and they're searching my face sometimes to see if I'm going to give them the answer if they just wait it out long enough. And in my mind, I'm counting like to five, five seconds, which seems like a short amount of time, but when you're waiting for an answer, it actually feels pretty long. Mm -hmm. And in that five seconds, they become a little bit more uncomfortable and they shift from, you know, searching for the answer from me and they actually start to think and become a little meditative. So in that space, that short amount of time, they start to reflect. And initially it's a, I don't know. And then I'll give it another five seconds and then they maybe come up with something. And typically we kind of go from there, but it's definitely a practice. It's not something that's intuitive for us, but learning how to be in the moment without judgment or avoidance is a very powerful thing. It, it certainly is because our sense of who we are, our sense of who we are under God and who we are in our relationship to others really does come out of those quiet meditative moments. Mm -hmm. They're the most profound. They have the deepest impact on us. And it certainly helps us understand what God thinks of us, which is just a huge part of being able to feel somewhat emotionally resilient. Mm -hmm. If I know that God knows my waking thoughts before I think them, as the psalm says, that he knows my days before I was ever born, then certainly I can trust him. I think that's, that's paramount uh, for believers who are listening that emotional resilience, while we consider that a psychological concept, it is really rooted in spiritual practice. Absolutely is. I was telling a client recently that um, they needed to quiet the noise that was around them because as they were talking about their anxieties and the things that were rolling around in their mind, what I constantly heard was this person said this, this person said this, or I heard this and I was thinking this and there were so many things coming from the outside bombarding them that their mind could not process it all. And it left them in a state of anxiety that then drove them into a state of depression. And I was like, we have to learn to quiet that noise. And now that's something that they repeat back to me as oh, we walk great. through things in yeah. session. But meditative silence is a powerful thing. It sure is. Number six, they know they don't have to have all the answers. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that's not the American way. Um, we find strength in knowing that it's okay to not have it all figured out right now and trusting that we will gradually find the peace we're looking for. That is just well said. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think we'll add to that. I think uh, we'll just let our listeners kind of meditate in that about this number seven and we're going to expand on this a little bit more in our next podcast they regulate self-care self-care it's been a hot topic we've addressed it on the podcast before and it's really taking care of yourself and it's so integrated into your life mm -hmm. that it's part of what you do diet sleep exercise recreation because you got to have some fun hobbies prayer meditation connecting with a healthy community of people are all things that we do to regulate self-care. Yeah. And I like, uh, in, in third John two, which is a book we don't typically probably read. Um, John said, beloved, I pray that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Mm -hmm. 
That's your soul, your mind, your will, yeah. your emotions prospering, you know, are such a factor in you being healthy. That is a key point mm -hmm. to consider. Number eight, they have a team. Now consider a team, two, maybe three people. Um, but resilient people reach out for help. They know uh, they can reach out to people whom they can trust and who will listen. And they seek out people who will honestly reflect back what they're seeing that could be a blind spot for us. Mm -hmm. I have about three people who fill that role for me. Mm. And uh, recently with, uh, you know, my coming uh, change in life, leaving a, a particular uh, place of work and moving on to something else, I realized that if I didn't talk to one of those people, I might not navigate it as well as I could. Mm -hmm. And I spent uh, about two hours on separate occasions visiting with this person and kind of getting a different perspective. And I remember she asked me, um, she's a clinical psychologist and I, she asked me, um, what do you think you're going to miss the most about this change? <laughs> well, I hadn't brought it down to that. And I said the one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. When you are given the privilege to walk through and with someone's pain and help them and be there for them and learn all the nuances of their life, as, as professionals, you know this, um, Tiffany, that that's, that's a privilege, number one. It is. And with it comes great responsibility, but also with it comes a deep connection. Mm -hmm. And when you have that deep connection with someone and then you take that away, my own purpose and meaning and significance now has to be adjusted in another direction because that piece will not be there every day. And I think that we need to understand when changes come, especially in life, that we have to make this adjustment by realizing that by having a team uh, and connecting with people, we are able then to get the perspective we need that helps us stay grounded. I think we're both fans of Brene Brown's work. And mm -hmm. I remember her talking about kind of early on where she had almost a list of people in her back pocket um, that were... Um, in the arena with her that knew her, you know, loved her and that could provide feedback, you know, in the midst of all the criticism that she was getting for the research she was, you know, presenting and even down to how she looked as she was presenting. And also had a dear client who called these people that were part of her team, her truthers. Wow. I like, like that. Those are your truthers. And that has always stuck with me. And we need people in our lives who will tell us the truth in love, even if it hurts yes. to hear it but it's easier to take from them um, and we'll be there to support us, as you said. Awesome. So number nine is resilient people. They consider alternative possibilities. Can this situation be looked at in a different way? Are there facts or information I've not considered? And we're going to respond versus just react. They're non-judgmental and they typically think outside the box. They know how to separate, you know, those, the facts of the situation from their feelings or just their opinions about it, which is hugely important because there's always more to the story, right? There's always more yeah. than what we know. There always is. 
And then finally, they learn to get out of their own head. Mm-hmm. Now, Man, you can get lost in there. <laughs> oh, you can get so lost in there. And, you know, you can't always trust, you know, some of your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might be skewed a little bit. They might be prejudicial in some way. So, I think you need to say that again, because that's a very powerful thing. Yeah. So. I've often said to clients, while feelings are an alarm system that lets us know something's not right, Mm -hmm. we also need to understand feelings can lie to us. Mm -hmm. They can send us wrong messages. And so now the truth gets kind of broken up like a prism with different direct light going in different directions. And we don't know where's the source of the light. It's all in different directions. So being able to ground ourselves to the point where step back, get out of your own head, look at this from a three-dimensional point of view and try to get a handle on what's really happening here. Um, You know, he who sees from a higher plane is wiser because he's looking at it in its totality, okay? Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Well, journaling is one way you can do that. Yes, that's really good. Uh, Expressive writing, um, even writing out your life story, which I have done before. It was a tedious thing, but it was a very rewarding thing to do. Hmm, I like that one. So just just a few suggestions, I guess, that uh, can help us in a world where patience runs thin and <laughs> anger is at a 9.5 on a 10 scale and we're ready to deal with somebody, you know. I remember the professor said this, and again, I've mentioned it in the past, but I think it's such sage wisdom. He said, don't think that what you think is true just because you think it. Oh, yeah. Just because it pops into your head doesn't necessarily mean that it is the truth of the situation. That is so true. Yes. So getting out of our heads is huge. Well, you know, Howard, we, you know, talked about traits and characteristics of emotionally resilient people, which again is a topic that's timeless because these are skills Um, that we need and we can Mm -hmm. develop them, but we have to be very purposeful about it. We do. And uh, we thank you so much for listening today. And, you know, if this has uh, prompted uh, more questions than answers, then uh, seek someone out and run, run these concepts by them and talk to them and have some dialogue and see if you can arrive at a space where you can make practical application of if not a few, maybe all of these traits today. Sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us today. And as always, God bless and shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.